Thank you, Gail. How about that? Aren't we glad she's here? <laughs> it is a beautiful day outside. It's a wonderful day inside. It's going to rain later today, I understand, but we're glad to be here inside the worship center at Broadway Baptist Church, and if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome to you. We're glad you joined our service. In Psalm 104, verse 1, you'll see, my soul, praise the Lord, Lord my God, you are very great. And we're going to do just that this morning by singing, Oh, Worship the King. I ask you to stand, please, as we sing together. You are just. God, you're in control. 
in the turbulence of this beautiful day. And we know, Father, that you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you're working for the good of your people and for your glory. And we come to give you praise, though we see the dark clouds. Help us to look above those, our Father, and see your shining face, the true and the living God. Like Isaiah, oh, may we see you this morning. May we hear your message, and may we fall at your feet, declaring our unworthiness, repenting, and turning anew and afresh unto you. With a willingness in our heart, here am I, send me. Bless in this service today. Use our pastor to feed us, encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> when I was 19 years old, I was part-time music minister, First Baptist Church in Prague, Oklahoma. That's just about a 20-minute drive from Shawnee where my wife, Marla, and I, we weren't married at that time, but we were freshmen at OBU. Actually, we were sophomores by then, but I, that was my first time church. That's been over 50 years ago. One week, I was trying to decide what to sing. The pastor told me what his topic was going to be. I couldn't think of anything to go with it. I don't remember the topic. But he told me his name was Vernal West, and he wasn't too much older than I was at the time. He went on to be a missionary in Africa, he and his wife Patsy, for many years. But he said, you know, you can never go wrong singing about the name of Jesus, regardless of what this service is about. Just sing about the name of Jesus. And I found that to be true for over 50 years. We're going to sing this morning. There's something about that name. I want you to join us as we sing.
Father, we thank you this morning that because he lives, we have Jesus Christ in our heart. We can count on salvation for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for every blessing you've given us today for this beautiful time of worship. I pray as we continue that you will take our hearts and our minds, help us focus on Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated, and as the singers, which I've been grateful for their help this morning, are departing, I will mention to you that we have a text to give. It may be at the bottom of your screen right now. I hope it is, if you're online. That's the best way to do that. You know, you don't have to put a stamp on it or anything. You just text it. And it's an easy thing, but if you want to use that uh, way of giving, you're welcome to do so. I'm delighted this morning with Brother Herman Chandler is going to come and sing special music. We always love to hear you, Herman. You come and share with us. I have read of a beautiful city It was built through God's marvelous grace Where so gently life's river is flowing And it must be a wonderful place Yes, it must be a wonderful city Sin and sorrow, there's never a trace There the flowers are blooming forever and it must be a wonderful place from the city nobody is leaving for they walk in the light of his face they're in love they commune with each other and it must be a wonderful place heaven must be a wonderful city sin and sorrow there's never a trace the flowers are blooming forever and it must be a wonderful place to the city someday i am going when i finish this wearisome race in the bible i've read all about it and it must be a wonderful place yes it must be a wonderful city in sorrow there's never a trace that the flowers are blooming forever and it must be a wonderful Yes, sir. Thank you, Herman. Thank you for that. I want to invite our children to come forward. We have children's sermon. Children's sermon. So if you're a guest this morning, what we do is we have a part of the service where the children come forward. And then we have candy here and we have some new types of candy. We have Twizzlers. Do you all like Twizzlers? We'll have Twizzlers being thrown here on the floor for you to pick up right when we're done. So if um, uh, while the children come up, I do want to welcome our online audience. Um, like David said, uh, we do appreciate your faithfulness in giving and supporting the mission and the ministry of Broadway Baptist Church. You can certainly give 
Uh, you know, we don't pass an offering plate anymore here inside the church. We have our black boxes there at the back as well as we have ushers there staying at the door collecting your offering as well as we have um, the black boxes for you to pay out as well as text to give. So with that, if you're a guest here, I do, want, um, I th- I do see some new faces out there. We have a, a bulletin. Hopefully you received one there at the Welcome Center. We don't hand them out. They're just sitting there, so you have to kind of know to, to grab one. But we have a connection card, and you'll just fill it out, and we'll get in touch with you this, past, this coming week. You fill it out, and you'll drop an offering plate as you leave or, or the black boxes there at the Welcome Center. It's a great way for us, to, for you to record your visit with that. One other announcement so I want to I share what's going on this coming Wednesday. This coming Wednesday... We have something, it's really our first Wednesday night service since March. And it's optional, of course, and we'll practice our social distancing, wear a mask, and we'll have, um, it's a prayer service. And you'll be able to come here, as well as online, and pray. I'm going to have about 15 different folks, and we're going to be lining up praying for a lot of variety of different subjects and topics. Think about all the needs we need to be praying for right now. There is so much uncertainty in our country, uh, in just in life, with families, with jobs, with the economy, with elections, with poly- I mean, it's, you, just, you literally just go down the list. And I believe now is the time for Christians. We're going to be the ones. If this country is going to experience revival if it's going to see any type of positive change for crying out to God, listen, it's going to be us. We can't rely on people who don't believe in this book. If someone doesn't believe in this book, they're not going to help bring revival to this nation. So I want to invite you, if you feel safe and comfortable, you need, you, I want you to come. It says 7 o'clock, Wednesday night, the 15th. It'll be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes long. We'll meet right here, and you could, you could pray at the altar. You could pray wherever you're at. And it's just going to be person after person coming up here on the stage. You can wear gloves. We'll clean the microphones, and you'll go up, and you'll pray. Now, I will have about, like I said, 15 folks designated to prayer. We will also have an opportunity for spontaneous prayer, for if you just feel led to pray about something, you can certainly do that. And we'll have a microphone out in the middle as well for that. If you are not, if you're not comfortable, especially our online audience, if you're not comfortable maybe coming yet to an in-person service, I want you to set, up, set aside that time on Wednesday night at 7 so you get in front of your computer or your iPhone and you pray for a variety of different things. I'll send an email out on Tuesday showing all the different topics that we'll, uh, we'll be praying for for that. So that is, that's uh, Wednesday night, and that, this is what we call an urgent night of prayer. It's urgent because it's the most critical time, and it's a night of prayer because this is not a Bible study. It's a time that we're going to cry out and call out to the Lord. So I just want to remind you all about that. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here at the sanctuary. Well, hello, children. How are y'all doing today? You know, Pastor Daniel is preaching through a sermon series on the disciples. And I, I found this neat little book. I'm going to slide this over so we can see everyone. 
I found this neat little book called Jesus and the 12 Dudes Who Did. What's a dude? Does anybody know what a dude is? Yes, ma'am. A boy, that's right, it is. So Jesus had 12 dudes. And I wanna re- I'm, gonna read a- I'm not going to read the whole book. I'm only going to tell you all about two of them. And you know, one of the neat things about big church is your whole life, you know, because we do children's church through second grade, and all of a sudden, abruptly, y'all are now in big church. So you've been able to sit out there and listen to the different sermons and sing the songs and experience the past couple of months now uh, worship with your family in, a, in the big sanctuary. But today, we're going to be talking about, there's 12 disciples, and we're going to be talking about two of them today. Now, one of them is called Matthew. Who's heard of Matthew? Matthew wrote the first book of the New Testament. Matthew was a tax collector. What's a tax collector today? Has anybody heard of a tax collector? Yes, sir. That's right. A tax collector is where you pay for your taxes. And do you know Wednesday, not only is it our prayer meeting, it's also tax day. So you have to pay your taxes by Wednesday. That's your, your, um, your annual taxes that are due. Normally they're due in April, but now they're due on July 15th this year. Matthew was that guy that on your way to prayer service, you would stop by his toll booth on Wednesday and pay your taxes. But look here. I want you all to see this book. Matthew, it says here, loved money and always wanted more. Until he met Jesus, and then he left it for the poor. Have you ever been to the store, and you saw something you wanted? And what did your parents say? They said, no. That's right, Abby. They said, mom and dad said, no. Why why would they say no? Don't we just buy anything we want and we see? Why, why, would, why would our mom and dad say no? Yes? You're right. Stuff costs money. And, and what happens is money doesn't grow on trees. Maybe, maybe in your backyard you have a money tree. So what happens is you go to a store and you see something you want and it costs all this money. And then 10 minutes later, you see something else you want. And guess what it costs? It costs money. Then 15 minutes later, it's just a nonstop cycle. I want, I want, I want. Well, that's similar to what Matthew was like. You know, even 2,000 years ago, things don't change. And Matthew, he gave up his love for money and for things, and he followed Jesus. And part of us growing up and being a disciple is us abandoning things that aren't worth great value, like money and candy. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to the store and you want some candy? It costs money, too. Can you believe that? Except when you're at church. 
out there. It's laid on the floor. All right, that is Matthew. He abandoned what he had, and he followed Jesus. All right, here's the second disciple we're going to study upstairs. Now, of the 12 disciples, there were two of them that had the same names. Their names were James. It's confusing when you have the same names. Somebody in our house has the same names, and they call out Daniel, and then two people answer. Does anybody else have, you have the same name as anybody in your house? Well, it's only me, I guess. Okay. Well, there's this guy named James. And last week we looked at the other James. And this week there was James and John who were brothers. But there was another James. And we know very little about this James. This James was known as James the Less. What a name. And there was probably two reasons for that. The Less meaning... He was either younger than his brother, or he was a little fellow. And we'll focus on the little fellow. It says, James was little, but he gave his very best. And being a disciple was one exciting test. James the little gave his best. And how I want to conclude our children's sermon today, even when you're little... Even when you're young, even when you're hopefully going to school next month, you can still give your best. And we also, we give, always give our best to God. And that's what James did. Even though he wasn't one of the more prominent disciples, children, God still chose him just like he chose you. Any questions? That was James and Matthew. All right, here's our microphone. I'm going to set it right here. Who would like to say our closing prayer? Yes, ma'am, come on down. Is it Vida or Videt? Videt, I got it. Videt, there's your microphone right there. And we're gonna, she's going to pick it up and we're going to pray. So what do we do when we pray? You'll hold the microphone up to your mouth. I know it's hard to pray through a mask. And we're going we're gonna to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes while Vedette closes us in prayer. Let's do this. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you for that people's not going to be sick. And amen. Amen. Thank you, Vedette. I appreciate that. I don't know if y'all heard her, but Vidette prayed that people will not get sick. That is, that is commendable. That is an outstanding prayer. Someone left their mask up here. So, oh well. <laughs> we have, make sure you grab our candy. Miss Sherry, we have enough candy for everyone? If you have your Bible in our online audience as well, go ahead and open it up. When you come to church, you always want to bring your Bible. It's God's Word. If you don't actually bring a physical Bible, you can certainly follow along in your, on your phone or your tablet. And in your Bible, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Not only will we be looking at the Gospel of Matthew as we study that disciple, we're also going to flip over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 9. 
Now, for those online, we also, and hopefully someone shares it online, inside we have a bulletin. You can pull out your bulletin notes if you have it here online. Maybe someone shares that, so you can certainly follow along here and see the things going on. We are in a sermon series studying the disciples. And I believe this is important because Jesus took these men, these men who in many ways were broken, they were not perfect. And He molded and He shaped them into being men who would actually carry on His message, carry on His mission, and tell the world about Jesus. And I believe that's what we need right now. We need men and women. We need a generation. We need young people that are going to rise up. And they're going to know the Lord. They're going to know who the twelve disciples are. They're going to have studied their Bibles. So that when they go out in this, this pagan culture we live in. They will be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And that's what we're about to see here with Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Look what happens here in your Bible. Verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Now, in other accounts of this, Matthew, everybody in the Bible seemed like they had two names. He's also called Levi. So when you see that word Levi used, that's also a reference to Matthew. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. He was a tax collector. And he said to him, you know, Jesus, he, walk, he walks by, it's time to pay your taxes. Here we are at the toll booth. And instead of pulling out his wallet and handing him 20 bucks or something like that, paying his taxes, he looks at the guy and look what he says. Follow me. That is the gospel call. Jesus this morning is speaking to you, asking and commanding that same question. It's a statement. Follow me. You've been sitting here your whole life, collecting taxes, but now it's time to make some changes. Now I want to tell you what it meant for Matthew to be a toll booth tax collector. Matthew was Jewish. Jesus chose 12 Jewish men to be his disciples. During Bible times, what happens, Israel had the Roman government over them. So what happened was you had your own nation, but then you also had this other country called Rome that you had to pay taxes to. Now, what did they give you in return? They protected your nation. So you didn't have to worry about, like, the Assyrians coming to attack you because they weren't going to mess with Rome. They would lose. The Roman army was mighty. So in many ways, it gave them some stability having a cover of Rome over them. But the problem with that is there was a price to pay. They had to pay taxes to Rome. And here's what it would be like. Let's put it in the context of today. Let's pick on China. They, they always get bashed in the news a lot around here, at least now. Let's pick on John King. He's on third pew. He's a good customer for this. 
John builds houses. Let's say next week China comes in and invades our nation. And they take over our country. But they don't really want to operate day-to-day business. They don't really care about that. They just want to make sure that we are now under Chinese rule and influence. Because they really aren't, well, we'll just pretend they might really be into it. They aren't into the day-to-day business of what goes on. They want our money and they want our resources. That's really what they want. Well, John, all of a sudden, at one of his houses he's building, he's building it for someone from China because they're now coming here. And they say, Mr. King, we'd like to offer you a job. Since we now kind of rule this land, we'd like to make you a tax collector for our country. But you'll still live here. You'll still be an American citizen. But you're going to work for the Chinese government. We said, what am I going to do? He says, you're going to go collect taxes for us. And then you're going to send it back to Beijing. And he says, whatever you make now, we're going to pay you five times as much. And if you want to, you can bump up the prices and get a little cut in there yourself because nobody's going to fight against you because you've got the Chinese government behind you. John says, sign me up. I'll start collecting taxes against fellow Americans for the Chinese government. So when you come to church here at Broadway and you see John King, all of a sudden, instead of walking down this aisle, you're going over there because you don't want to get near that man. Because he might hold out his hand and say, Mr. Austin, you owe me some money. Pay up. That's what Matthew was like. He was considered a traitor. The man is working for the Roman government, collecting taxes against his own people. That's called betrayal. Many of us would not be best friends with John anymore if he was all of a sudden collecting taxes against us. So not only are we paying our own local taxes to, I guess, America, we're also now paying taxes to China. And that's why people did not like Matthew. And not only that, if he charged extra, maybe a 10, 20% fee, which he would just put in his own pockets, there was nothing the Jewish leaders could do. It was a great business to make money. You could rip people off. You could be a thief. You could overcharge. No accountability. Very corrupt job. Very lucrative job. But what happened is it's a job where you don't have any friends. And Jesus, of all people, looks at that man whom everyone else hated, whom everyone else just despised. And he walks up to him and says, Matthew, follow me. I want you to be a follower. I want you to be the one who's going to leave this toll booth and you're going to start coming after me. Keep going here in your Bible. He followed him. Verse 10. While he was reclining at the table in the house, so Jesus went to Matthew's house, which is shocking. He's reclining at the house. Look at this. Many tax collectors and sinners. Notice they get lumped together. 
because no one liked the tax collectors. They're collecting taxes for the bad guys. And these sinners, they came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus went to people. He started calling people who were not the most prominent. He called people to follow him who were actually despised. Look what happens here. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why, notice they don't go to Jesus, they go to the disciples and say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They resented the fact that he called Matthew. Because Matthew could collect taxes against the Pharisees. He had the authority to do that. Pharisees did not like it. Pharisees were the religious elites. They were very prominent people in Jerusalem, around Israel. Now look what Jesus says in verse 12 and 13. Now when he heard this, Jesus overhears, because Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus knows your thought life. That's why when you come to the prayer meeting on Wednesday, if you sit in that pew right there and you don't speak a single word vocally and you pray silently to the Lord, the Lord hears every word you say. He also knows if you go to a prayer meeting and your mind is wondering, thinking about other things, Even now in this service, if you're not even paying attention, God can read your mind. Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. So he answers the question for the disciples. It says there, Is it not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick? Who needs the doctor? It's those who, 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 need, who need a healing. Who's the doctor? Jesus is saying, he's the great physician. These sinners, these people who are, who are lawless, who are thieves, who are stealing from you, they're the ones who need to get saved. And look what he says in verse 13. This is the main verse. He's going to quote Hosea 6 6 here in this verse. He's going to tell the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. So he's giving you some action steps. Go and learn implies you need to not just sit in, in church or in school and learn. Book knowledge can only go so far. You know, you turn on the TV. If you watch the news anymore and you see these people that have degree after degree after degree education galore and what they've been to the most elite universities in our country in the world they are the most supposedly qualified people to speak on any subject and then you see them on tv and they open their mouth, and you think, are we on the same planet together? How could someone who has so much knowledge 
in so many degrees be so foolish with what they're saying. This doesn't even make sense. Makes no sense some of the, what the folks say on TV, on the so-called news, the commentary. And that's why Jesus says, you have to go and learn. Because you, you can only learn so much in a classroom. Life experience and how the real world works is important. And that's what he's about to teach the Pharisees here. The Pharisees knew their Bible. They knew that the tax collectors, all they could see with Matthew was that man is a thief. He is breaking the eighth commandment. He's stealing. They could not look past that. He's a sinner. And Jesus is talking to these people who are not worthy of being saved. But Jesus looks at them and quotes Hosea 6.6 6 and says, you go and learn. It's kind of like you want to be a disciple. You're ready to follow Jesus. And the first thing the Lord says is, yeah, you can be a disciple, but you've got to go. And you've, you're going to have to, while you go out, you're also going to have to learn. Because there's only so much, so far you can go from sitting in a pew, sitting behind a computer and studying the Bible. You need to go put it in practice. Because the Pharisees were not putting anything in practice. Here's what he says. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus just said that there is a difference between a sacrifice and mercy. Now, they go hand in glove, but there is a distinct difference between the two. A sacrifice means you give something up. You're giving something for a greater purpose. So when you give, you're sacrificing what we talked about money here with the children. You're sacrificing what you worked for, and you're giving that to God. When you... When you decide that you want to grow closer to the Lord in your spiritual life, you're sacrificing your own time to say, I'm going to take time out of my day, out of my week, to come to a prayer meeting, to come to a night of prayer, and call out to the Lord. Prayer takes time. It's a sacrifice you make. Same with reading your Bible. But Jesus says... I don't just want this sacrifice. I want mercy. Do you know what mercy means? It means, Pharisees, you're really good at the sacrifice. You never miss an offering. You never miss a worship service. You are devout with your time to the Lord. But you have no compassion on people like Matthew, who need it the most. Let's put this in the context of today. You go out in the city, and all of a sudden you're driving to work tomorrow, and you drive downtown, 
My, my, this story is the goal is to ruffle your feathers because it really forces you to look internally. You're going down Broadway, and sure enough, you're thinking, where's all this traffic coming from? Who are these people blocking the road? What are these protest signs? And you are down here at Broadway, getting into downtown, and there's giant signs that say, Black Lives Matter, defund the police. And you're thinking, is this going on in Lexington? What are these people doing? And they're blocking the roads. They're causing a big ruckus. I won't examine your motives now. And you're sitting there thinking, I've got to go to work. I've got places I need to be. This is lawlessness. These people need to get a job. What are they doing? All they're doing is promoting the coronavirus, spreading this stuff. Is that how you would respond? I'm going to be truthful. That might be how I respond. Or do you see people that have triggered you, that have caused anger and resentment to dwell up inside of you, and you look at them, and you think, that man needs Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to change their heart, the only thing that's going to bring about a change in their thinking is solely the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because listen, this, listen Broadway, listen online. The Pharisees could not look past Matthew being a tax collector and a sinner. They hated the man. And I want you to know, we are in the most tumultuous times with politics and division. And it's easy for us to look at people who are so-called on the other side of the aisle, people who might think differently, who are radically different than you and I, and we look at them and go, that's the problem with America. That's the problem with our country. Those are the people that are ruining this place. And Jesus Christ is looking at you and saying, until they get saved, until you start showing these people mercy, have compassion on them, pointing them to Jesus. Remember, how did, how did Jesus do it? Look at this last verse. Don't miss this. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for the sinners. We as believers cannot expect people who are spiritually lost, who are spiritually dead, to all of a sudden to start living a holy and righteous life. Do you know why the giant mess is going on in this country? Do you know why we have to have a prayer meeting? All what we see, the nonsense on the news, is a result of the Word of God not having impact people's lives, people not having Jesus at the center of their lives, people not living for the Lord every single day. And what happens is they wake up in the morning because they're not living for the Bible, they're living for social justice. And they're living for... I mean, whatever political party they support. What's most important
important, which is the gospel, has been replaced by whatever agenda and cause they support. And Jesus Christ, guys, I want you to know I'm preaching to myself. I'm guilty of this. Some of you might be guilty of this too. You get angry, you get mad. And I believe God is speaking to me, saying, you know, you've got to have mercy and compassion because their problem is actually they're sinners and they need to repent and they need Jesus. And if our church, and as we as believers, aren't the ones taking the lead on this, we live in a culture of Matthews. And we will respond just like the Pharisees. Where we look around going, why did you post that on Facebook? Why would you support that cause? Why are you friends with this person? They're, on, they're, they're crazy. What their beliefs are. That's literally what the Pharisees are doing to Jesus' disciples. Why are you associating with that man, Matthew? He's awful. There was hatred in the Pharisees' hearts. The real purpose of the call of Matthew was to show to the Pharisees, to show to us, that the gospel can change anyone's life. We have to get to the point where we believe that. What I mean by believe that is where you're, the, you're at the point spiritually where the only hope for this nation is for a revival to break out and people turn to Jesus. Are you at that point yet? Because it's not going to be politics. It's not going to be legislation. It's not going to be about getting certain people in office. Our only hope is for us to realize that these folks need Jesus. They need to be saved. And my responsibility is to pray and to point people to Jesus. Last scripture I want us to see this morning. Once you flip over in your Bible to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16 verse 25. And this, this is, it's easy for us to read this verse and think of other people. But we need to put it in the context, could God be talking? Could God be speaking to me? Is there a greater purpose that he has? Verse 25 says, There is a way that seems right to a person. Or some of your Bible says, there's a ray that seems right to man. But in the end, is the way to death. Or in the end, it leads to death. Now, it's, good, it's easy for us to look at this verse and think of other people. But this verse is important because, remember... Solomon wrote this for us. He wrote it for the believers. And there's this way that seems right. And if you're not careful, 
you will find yourself going down that belief and it will end up killing you. And I think for us, the context of this verse for us, we have to ask God to say, Lord, are there anything, any beliefs, any ways of thinking in my life that I believe that are right. That I have been holding to. But literally, Lord, it's leading to death. And I want to give an example of this. Matthew. The Gospels say that Matthew sold everything. And he followed the Lord. He paid back to those that he had been stealing from. Part of knowing what is right is when we serve the Lord, God has saved you. We grew up in a church culture. We grew up in a, a period that, that, the, that we're accustomed and used to. And if we're not careful, our brother and sister in Christ could genuinely be hurting out there. And we might write them off. And God is speaking to us and saying, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. If we are not compassionate in having mercy on our fellow man, we have literally just helped lead them to death. And what that means is, could God be speaking to you and I, bringing people into our life who maybe think different, who look different, who have different skin color than us, and we have to look at them not as someone who's different, but someone who needs the same Savior who died on that cross. Guys, I'm speaking to myself. We tend to look at folks in categories. They're like me. They're different than me. I saw a newspaper article in Baptist Press this past week. Do you know, here in America, the average person under 16 years old, here in our, our country, the majority of them, over 50% now, are not white. First time ever. And, there, and this, Baptist, this was a Baptist Press newspaper article because it's talking about how youth ministry and children's ministry, if you're going to be out doing children's ministry and youth ministry, you're going to be ministering to people who are maybe different than you. Because America's demographics have radically changed. And they're continuing to change. And what happens is, if believers aren't aware of this, you will find yourself with missed opportunities and prejudices and holding to something that's com completely different than than how you were raised and what you're accustomed to.
And what Jesus is telling us, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. And I think what the Lord's speaking to us is what might seem right to you and I. Maybe what we were raised on, we need to be aware that what leads to death is not knowing Jesus. And just like Matthew, Jesus called him to repent. And he's asking you and I to have the same type of mercy and compassion and help see people in need of a Savior. When you look at someone else, maybe who's different than you, who believes differently than you, do you see them as someone who needs Jesus Christ? This is a, this is a calling, the calling of Matthew. I think is very applicable for today. Because we are living in a time of social unrest. Of demographics changing. Of churches changing. But the one thing that does not change is Jesus saves. If Broadway Baptist Church, and as you as a believer, if you want to have an impact on this city and our state, we have to literally cross the tracks and extend open arms and saying, Jesus welcomes you here. You come and you repent. You cry out and you call out to the Lord. He will save and change you. That's what this city needs. That's what our nation needs. That's what we need to be crying out on Wednesday night. That there is a revival in the nation. We are desperate more than ever for a revival. We are desperate for people who are going to say, hey, I'm going to extend mercy with the sole purpose of leading and pointing them to Jesus Christ. Listen, the social gospel doesn't save you. Save you. Government programs doesn't save you. The only thing that saves is Jesus. And we have to be able, we have to, be able to say, have I been believing things that are not directing people to the Messiah, to the Savior? I have up here on the board, which is easier? Which is easier? Last thing we're going to see here. To mock Jesus for hanging out with sinners. Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were mocking him. Or, or to get up when he calls you and trust that even you have a place at the table. It doesn't have the word table there, but that's what it's supposed to be. At the table. When Jesus Christ has called you this morning, Matthew got up from his table, his little toll booth table, and he followed Jesus. I think there's a lot of us. It's easy to stay seated and to be a critic and to think, well, that's their problem. They need to solve that. And we sit on and watch from our lazy boys at home, and we're just critical of everything going on. And Jesus is saying, why don't you get up and do something about it? If He calls you to the table, because he remember Jesus went to Matthew's house, and He dined with these sinners. The Pharisees went along too just to criticize. Jesus is asking you to quit being a mocker, to quit holding to what you were used to grew up with. The only thing you need to hold that you grew up with is Jesus. And to start realizing 
that foundation in Jesus Christ is what everything in this country, everyone in this country needs. It's what this church needs. It's what our spiritual lives needs. And we need to make sure that we're not, we're not trying to believe something that is actually causing us to lead to death. Could you imagine someone going to hell? The Bible says those without Jesus die separated from God. Because we would not pray for them and we would not tell them about Jesus. Wouldn't invite them to church. Wouldn't invite them to be a part of the family of God. I'm inviting you this morning, and you online, to be a Matthew. Where maybe you have, have a bad, bad beginning, a bad background. Because Matthew was known as a sinner. He was a tax collector. Everybody hated him. Everyone had prejudices against him. And he got up and he followed Jesus. Many of us, though, need to start responding like Matthew because we're responding like the Pharisees. Where we start gossiping about Jesus behind his back and go, why is is he there? And I want you to know I'm the worst at doing this. And I think this cultural time period is causing many of us as believers to fall into this trap and we're, we're blaming the wrong people for the problem. The people who are to blame are us as Christians because we have failed at preaching and witnessing and evangelizing our nation. We're living on yesteryears. Listen, the 50s are never going to come back. 60s are coming back. This is 2020. This is a completely different America than when many of you were raised in. And we will likely never return to that America. What we need to be returning to is a gospel witness. When a revival start, breaks out again in this country, and I believe it will, I believe we could be at the end times, we will see all sorts of variety of people who have different backgrounds rising up, leading people to turning to the Lord. I'm inviting you this morning in closing. Will you be a Matthew? Will you get up from your table and follow the Lord? Abandon the ways of the Pharisees where they were literally just sitting there gossiping, being critical of Jesus because He's associating with people who are different. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. I want you to make sure that your background, your thinking, hasn't been one of those ways that's actually helping people die spiritually. The way that is right to man is Jesus. He is the only hope for this nation, for our city. And I'm inviting you this morning to commit to that. I'm inviting you to be a Matthew, that you leave your toll booth and you follow the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to speak to our online crowd. You at home, you watching online, you can respond to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer. We don't have a public altar call because of the coronavirus, but you can respond in your seat, and you can be a Matthew, and you can get up from your toll booth and follow the Lord. He came to call people like you and I. 
You pray along this prayer. Bow your head and close your eyes. Dear Jesus, cleanse my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, help me follow you. I ask for your forgiveness. Remove prejudices from my heart. I repent of my sins. I'm yours, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you prayed and received Jesus more, and I want to hear from you. You fill out that little connection card. Send me a message on our church Facebook page. Send me an email or call me in the office this week. And I'll let you know about what it means to be a Matthew and to follow Jesus. I hope to see many of you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, for a powerful prayer meeting of crying out and calling to the Lord. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. David Dell is going to lead us in a song. Gene King, this is our closing song, and then our service will be dismissed. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, How are you doing?